Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. This is the Midwest Farm Report. From It's Friday. Good morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. It's also April Fool's Day today on April 1st. I appreciate April Fool's jokes, but we're not going to be joking around with you this morning. Maybe Stu Muck, our egg meteorologist, has something up his sleeve. As far as the weather is concerned, it's mostly sunny today with highs of 46 degrees. That could mean any lingering snow is gone by this afternoon. This evening will be partly cloudy with lows of 32. The clouds will thicken up into Saturday morning. That's when we'll see some rain and some possible snow. Sunday warms up slightly to 47 degrees. We'll get mostly cloudy skies on Sunday. The sun could peek through a little bit, and it'll really be the last look at the sun until the next weekend. We'll experience April showers all week next week, so be prepared for that. On a Friday, we've got something sweet in store for you. Tara Montgomery of UW-Platteville is talking about the school's latest venture, Pioneer Suites. Before that, we'll hear from Fox City's builders on how their supply chain looks this time of year. But first, Bob Bosold will be joining us with a Montana resident to talk about consumer trends. Stay tuned for that and more coming up. Well, our consumers always want to know where their food comes from and how it's produced. And we get that connection farther and farther away from the farm as generations keep going. Aaron Zimmerman here from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And Bob, you had the chance to talk with someone about really how it's that farmer's responsibility to make that connection with the consumer, educate them about where their food comes from, and really show them what's going on. That's for sure, Aaron. And I guess I have to say this point. We don't have any food. April Fools don't <laughs> don't get caught up in April Fools jokes today but seriously at the Professional Dairy Producers of Wisconsin annual business conference here a week or so ago they brought in Bruce Vincent who's a logger from Libby Montana and uh, he talked about how farmers have to get out in front of discussions with and about consumers and consumer issues especially on food he's been doing his outreach as part of the mission of his multi-generational logging family there in western Montana. Oh, the family operation on three generations. We've got the fourth generation now working. A long history of our forest culture. But about 30 years ago, we noticed that the public wanted to discuss forestry as well. In fact, they wanted to save the forest. And as a logger, they didn't see how logging could do anything good for the forest. So our ability to operate started being discussed by the public. And that's what I was here talking about today. It took us a while to figure out that we were really good fighters. We knew how to fight. We just sucked at leading. We didn't know how to lead. And fighting is important at times. But if we don't lead, we never get to a solution, a resolution. So I learned the hard way through 30 years of activism how to lead instead of just fight. And a misnomer, of course, that loggers are destroying our trees because that's just the opposite. Well, in fact, that's one of the things that we have to share with the American public is we have more forests in America now than we did at the turn of the last century. And there's two really important reasons. One of them is agriculture. 
Production agriculture means growing more food on less land, and the marginal land that used to try to grow corn and cotton is now going back to what God and nature intended, and usually that's a tree. And we plant six trees for every one we harvest. So coupled with production agriculture, allowing land to go back to forest, and us planting more than we cut, we have more forest land now. So it's, forest management is a, an important tool if we love our forest. And if we're not managing, nature is. And nature doesn't do environmental impact statements. Light, nature does lightning and then burns. And we're watching 10 million acres a year burn in the American West right now. I was going to say, without management, that's what we're getting into. Where is the, I guess, the disconnect between the industry and those environmentalists who, who think they're doing the right thing and, and, you know, believe that they are as far as coming together and realizing that logging is very environmentally friendly. Well, we've moved a long ways in that direction. There is, there is still a conflict industry out there that, that figured out how to monetize the fight. They learned how to make money by selling fear and conflict and crisis. And those groups, largely national or international groups, they're very good at their business. And uh, Save the Forest became their calling card. And they made billions of dollars because the public loves the forest. What we learned to do was to talk to the public about desired future outcome. What do you want it to look like in 200 years? And if they want a healthy forest, uh, we're going to have to probably intervene and do some management with a chainsaw and a skitter and turn it into a consumable product for a consuming public. We're part of climate change discussions because fires release CO2, mountains of CO2. So we learned to discuss with the public what they really want. And the conflict industry is not having as good a time with us. We, we stopped being a pinata. And here in Wisconsin, we don't have the forest land like you do out west. And talking to some of the folks from out west and some of the challenges of managing these forest lands, you know, the environmentalists, we don't want roads in there. We don't want timber roads in there. We just want big stands of trees. But isn't good management being able to get in there and control the fires, put these fire roads in, these logging roads in there? Well, it's not only good management for the forest, but it's good management for who we share the forest with, animals. Most biodiversity is on the edges of old growth and new growth. So a forest likes to have a structural diversity, we call it. And if we want animals to, to share the forest with us and grow a lot of biodiversity in the forest, then we need to do some management. That's desired future outcome. What do you want it to look like in 100 years? Just leaving it to nature is what's happening in California now. Nature's taking care of the forest that needs managed a million acres at a time and burning so hot that it's, it's frying the topsoil down to bedrock. So that the public's seeing what that means. What we need to talk to them about is how we can interject doing management. It's a crop. The difference between our crop and corn and soy is it takes us 100 years to figure out if we've screwed up. But it is a crop, and nature will do the management, but it'll do it in a way that we maybe no, don't want or the public doesn't want. So that, that's been the crucible, talking to the public about desired future outcome and how management can contribute to what they want. And public policy is going to be designated or put on us by our elected officials. And, and you've learned that you've got to lead the leaders, was your quote. 
Yeah, when people lead, leaders follow. We have good people that, that run for state office in Madison or federal in, in D.C., and they want to do the right thing. But how many dairymen are in Madison or Washington, D.C.? I can tell you there's one forester in our U.S. Congress. He's from Arkansas. One! So when they start discussing forest policy, we've got to talk to them about what a solution might look like. If the, if the public wants healthy forest, we need to talk to our leaders so they can put policy in place that really gets that outcome. And leaving it alone and letting nature do the management, that's not going to work to get the public what they want. So it, we need to engage our leaders, define what a solution looks like. If we don't, they'll define a solution on their own without our background, shove it down our throat and say they saved us. And that's for all commodities, not just the logging industry. Every single resource industry is in the same place. The public has desires. We've got to talk about how to get that to them and having that include us, us being part of what they think the solution looks like. And we have to start at the local level. I mean, Washington is fine, but the local level, that's where we live. The last line of defense in our constitutional republic is, is our local areas, our local water boards, planning boards, county commissions, and our local schools, local media. We need to make sure that we don't lose our discussion at home because if we, if we don't have, if we aren't ambassadors for solutions at home, it's going to be tough to sell it in Madison or D.C. And we're talking here. As we said, more than just logging, we're talking water resources, we're talking animal resources. It's a it, big picture. Yeah, and especially right now, because forestry used to be a pinata that the conflict industry made a lot of money on. They, do you want the loggers to cut all the trees down or send us 20 bucks and we'll save the forest? Well, it's not selling as well now because we learned how to lead this discussion. That entire conflict industry that is a multi-billion dollar industry needs a new pinata, a new profit center. And there, it's clear to me the next profit center is anything that has to do with water, anything that has to do with animals and climate change. So we need to engage the public on those issues and talk to them about how we're part of the solution they need. What is the best way to approach the public on those issues? Water, animals, climate change, because as you said, they're right in the bullseye right now. The first thing we need to do is listen. God gave us one pie hole and two ears. And in the timber industry, me, I was a leader of that stuff. I knew how to use my pie hole. I had to shut it down and listen. Hear what the public thinks the issues are. And it doesn't matter if we think they're crazy. If they think an issue is real, then it's real to them. So the first thing we do is we listen. And then we address honestly what they think the issues are. And honestly how we think we can be part of their solution. But first we listen. If we start shouting our truth because we think they're silly, they live in the city and they think milk comes from a carton at Safeway. If we come at them with that attitude, they'll do what we would do if they came at us with that attitude. Hair go up on the back of our neck. And so the first thing we need to do is ask them questions, sit down and listen, hear what they're saying, and then address their issues. Very important. Two ears, one mouth, one pie hole. As Bruce said, use the two listening tools first. Yep, absolutely. Bruce, thank you. Thank you. All right. Bruce Vincent, again, a logger for many, many years that has dealt with the industry and dealt with a lot of folks that are not on his side, so to speak, but trying to educate, and that's what we all have to do in this industry of agriculture. At PDPW, I'm Bob Bosold. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You already know that worms approve of our shredded topsoil, but did you know that seeds also love our special blend of garden mix? It's packed with nutrients that plants need to grow to their full potential. Visit KalaniTopsoil.com for delivery, or you can simply pick it up at our awesome processing plant. Then watch that garden grow with tons of fresh vegetables or beautiful plants and flowers. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Colaney Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Steffes Group is conducting the Sheboygan County, Wisconsin Dairy and Farmland Auction near Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Tuesday, April 5th at 1 p.m., selling 252-plus acres to be sold in five tracks. Tract 1 has a modern dairy facility, a house, and other outbuildings. Tract 2 has a single-family home. The other three tracks feature farmland acreage. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for drone photos and complete descriptions for this auction near Sheboygan, closing Tuesday, April 5th. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Are you looking for a fast-paced job in a fun and exciting work environment? Look no further than Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. We offer a wide range of job and shift availability in both part-time and full-time positions. Competitive wages and great benefits await you at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Visit us in person or check out our website to see all of our job openings. Make work fun and apply for a job at Madison's only casino. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning and welcome back on a Friday, April 1st. I'm pretty excited that it's April, about to be spring officially, but who knows what these temperatures. It's time now for your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with Stu Muck. Well, Stu, what, it kind of seems like April's playing its own April Fool's joke on us because what starts out as a sunny weekend will not last. No, it's not going to last, Stephanie, but at the same time, uh, with the exception of northeast Iowa, southwest Wisconsin, most of us aren't going to see a whole lot of precipitation, and it's not going to be brutally cold. Cooler than normal, yes, but not brutally cold. I mean, let's talk about it. The system that brought the uh, precipitation and changes yesterday way off in the far northeast U.S. this morning. Not a bad way to start in a Friday morning where most precipitation is way off to the east. Some lake effect snows and light snow in western lower Michigan and some snow down into Indiana, rain in Ohio. That activity all marching east and away from us. Today, a high pressure system does edge in and is going to provide us with some sunshine and temperatures that do their best to try and moderate. Still a bit cooler than normal. You know, we should be just in the very low 50s for normal daytime highs right now. And I expect to be in the the mid-40s at about the best. But there's another low developing out to the west. 
a pretty quick-moving system that is going to slip right across Iowa and Illinois, uh, moving into western Iowa even late today by early, early tomorrow, and then slipping off to Indiana as we head toward late Saturday into Sunday. There's some rain and snow in western South Dakota, western Nebraska this morning, and that's a sign of what's going to come with that fast-moving little low as it skips by just to our south. I'd expect we even start to see a few more clouds in western Wisconsin late today. And then with the cloud cover, the chance of some precipitation developing late in the night and early into tomorrow morning. Could very well start out as some snowflakes. I'd say most likely mixing with, even changing to all rain, and then back to snow before it ends as we wrap up Saturday. Saturday already early afternoon, it ends in western Wisconsin. Maybe not until evening hours in the far eastern part of the state. But like I said, not going to amount to a whole lot. The heaviest snow, several inches, look to be uh, bullseyeing on northeast Iowa, southwest Wisconsin, up into the central part of Wisconsin as well. For the rest of us, maybe up to an inch. Mauston could see a couple of inches out of this, as could Madison. But otherwise, I think everybody else is going to stay on the lighter side. The precipitation ends, and we get a little break again for Sunday. But it's a very active pattern. In fact, we're waiting and expecting the next system to already uh, move on to the western coast, the, the west seaboard. And that system will edge our way and may already into Sunday, late Sunday into nighttime and around toward Monday, mean another round of some very light rain. Could be a few snowflakes late night Sunday into early Monday. I don't expect that one to be a major storm either, but a little more precipitation as we start on toward early next week. So, so far this uh, early month of April doesn't give us a lot of break from precipitation, a small chance today and Sunday, and otherwise rain, maybe some snowflakes around. In fact, a little unstable with some of that scattered precipitation still in the picture, even on toward a bit later Tuesday and into Wednesday as well, more likely rain at that time. So wet conditions as we get April underway, and that's going to also help to hold those temperatures on the cooler than normal side. I'll have forecast details right after this. The Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association is hosting its 65th annual Performance Selected Bull Sale. This is the longest-running test in the nation. Be there Saturday, April 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. in person at UW-Platteville, or go online at dvauction.com. View the sale catalog, performance and pedigree information, and see video of the bulls at wisconsinbeef.com, or call 608 527 5747 for more information. My goodness, do the weather forecast for the beginning of April is giving me whiplash. Keep your eye on the sky for what you should be wearing and when you're making plans. The silver lining here, though, between, you know, the rain and the snow and if you need to take shelter from those things is that at least the temperatures are getting to be mild. Yeah, they're, they're trying to, to stay at least, you know, above freezing and heading up into the 40s, closer to where it should be. Our Compere Financial Ag Weather update is for a sunny day today. Clouds develop in western Wisconsin before the day is out. A lot of mid-40s. La Crosse could be in the upper 40s. And winds out of the northwest and west will only be about 5. A not too breezy day sounds great. But tonight, more clouds build in and some snow develops. Maybe some very light rain or snow in the west. Snow elsewhere late tonight going into tomorrow morning. We drop down to the low 30s as winds become south about 5. For Saturday, 
mostly cloudy, snow or rain-snow mix, and it will end from west to east by mid and late afternoon on toward the evening. Temperatures tomorrow in the low 40s with the snow around, and the winds become north at about 5. Like I've said, uh, Madison, Mauston, an inch or two, everybody else, maybe an inch of snow through the day Saturday. That's about all. By Sunday, we get back to a little sunshine, but even then becoming partly sunny, upper 40s, could be a 50 around the cross, and the northwest winds will be around 5. But late Sunday night into Monday, another chance of some rain building in, Stephanie. Like you said, a good comment. Give you whiplash because it's going to change a lot here in the next handful of days. Oh, yeah. Well, at least the snow will be quick to go. And I don't mean to rhyme <laughs> when I say that, but that is the truth. So It worked. It was good. <laughs> we'll catch you again Monday, Stu. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. That's your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America, and you can visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This looks like a car. It has tires. Headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Picture in your mind the amount you want to earn at your job. Cardinal Glass in Mazomani will help turn that number into your reality. Competitive pay with overtime available and monthly profit sharing means you can earn what you desire. When you work at Cardinal Glass in Mazomani, your career is world class so you can live first class. Cardinal Glass in Mazomani is now hiring production associates and maintenance. 401k, medical, dental, vision, advancement opportunities, and more. Apply today at cardinalglassmazo.com. Are you ready for the next generation of body sculpting? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Current body shaping devices have addressed unwanted stubborn fat and skin laxity. 
But what if we want more muscle strength and toning? MSculpt is our new body sculpting device at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie that uses high-intensity electromagnetic contractions with a 30-minute treatment described as equivalent to 20,000 crunches. MSculpt is approved for abdomen, arms, thighs, and calves. And it's also the world's first non-invasive butt toning and lifting procedure. MSculpt is a safe, effective addition to any workout program. The possibilities are endless. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Home every night, home every weekend, and more than average competitive pay. Driving for Advanced Concrete, you'll be in updated, comfortable, easy-to-maneuver trucks. We're a reputable family-owned business that you can rely on for long-term employment, surrounded by an inviting culture of friendship. CDL drivers, apply at advanced-concreteinc.com. The concrete producing company, the contractors rely on Advanced Concrete. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. No Devontae Adams. And now Marquez Valdez-Scantling is on the Chiefs. You have, what, they got Big Bob Tunyon back. Uh, They got under the cap somehow. Rob, I mean, it's been a whirlwind. I don't even know where to begin, but let's start right here. Uh, Devontae Adams, no longer with the Green Bay Packers. Was this long in the making when they did the last dance? Was this actually Rodgers and Devontae knowing that Devontae was going to the Raiders? Like, was this something that was long in the tooth here that uh, we just weren't privy to? Well, I, you know, I, I, I certainly think, and as more and more information has trickled out on that, Evo, it, it, it does look like that's largely the case. You know, Adams was certainly bothered and offended. That contract talks last summer really went nowhere, and, and he and the organization had such differing views about what technically, and again, the, the, this is a lot of the minutia that, that, that's uh, written in these contracts, you know, what technically was going to qualify as the highest paid wide receiver in football. He saw it one way, the Packers saw it another. Um, they left the door open a little bit, obviously, by, by not getting him done last summer to, to some type of an extension. Um, you know, it, it, it left the door open evil for him to kind of fulfill a dream of, of, of going back home and playing with his buddy, you know, Carr there with, with the Raiders. And, 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 and I'll say this, evil, you know, just, just looking at that deal, um, you know, as, as a separate entity on its own, I do think the Packers did pretty well to get, to get a one and a two. Now I know a lot of people freaked out after what, you know, Kansas city was able to get for, for Tyreek Hill in terms of that haul, but you look what the Packers got, uh, you know, for Adams evil versus what, you know, Dallas got for, 
you know, for, for Cooper, for example, or some of these wide receiver deals that have been done here in the, in the last couple of years, they got a lot of draft capital to play with Evo. Um, it, it clearly sets them back dramatically for this season for 2022, because you don't replace a guy like that on the fly. And, and I think, and I think expect, you know, to, to maintain the same success level that you've had the last, the last few seasons, but it does to me, Evo, open the door for them to completely overhaul that position um, and, and really set Aaron Rodgers up with a couple of young potential studs here over the next two years. I think they, I think they take a hit Evo here in 2022 in terms of the win loss record after the Adams trade. But again, you know, Adams is on the brink of 30 Evo. Um, You know, they, they clearly milked the finest years of his career sure. out of them. And somebody else is going to pay him that astronomical third contract. And now it's just up to Gutekunst and the Packers to find that replacement or two replacements, probably Evo in the draft here, uh, you know, four weeks from tonight. Well, Rob, you know what I love that we have you in your prime years. So we're milking it out of you at the Packers <laughs> coverage, man, Forbes.com, uh, Conley media. If I'm on Twitter at Rob, right. So Robbie for the people, and you're no stranger to the strong, bold take on Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of people out there wanting to blame Aaron Rodgers for, you know, the new contract that he got, and that's why the Packers aren't getting wide receivers and the, the Devontae's gone. Is there any truth to that of Rodgers taking his bigger contract and he's the blame for all of this? Well, there was certainly money to bring Adams back. Uh, at the end of the day, they, they got under the cap, Evo, you know, with, with the Adams contract when they franchised him, the problem was he wasn't going to play for the franchise tag, yeah. um, you know, moving forward. And then they had to make a business decision. Um, I do think it's interesting, Evo, if you, if you guys both remember late in the season, Aaron Rodgers made some type of comment at a press conference where he, or a Zoom call then where he said, you know, uh, Green Bay is not a destination spot. People are coming here to play with me. Well, since the season ended, Evo, Devontae Adams is gone elsewhere. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has gone elsewhere. And it's not a big loss by any stretch of the imagination, but Equinemia St. Brown has also gone elsewhere. So, um, and, and they brought in absolutely nobody uh, to play uh, wide receiver, to play catch with Aaron Rodgers. Now, now clearly, Evo, they won't go into the season with, with Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and Amari Rodgers <laughs> being their top three. They will, they will in all likelihood make a trade here for a veteran or sign a veteran off the street and draft two or three here in a few weeks and, and completely overhaul that, that position on the fly. But the problem is, Ebo, and, and you guys have seen this now for 15 years with Rodgers as the starting quarterback, uh, you know, and, and he stresses this more than anybody, the need for chemistry to play with Aaron Rodgers, right? There has to be this chemistry and trust for Aaron, you know, to, to ever even consider throwing you the football, the great Aaron Rodgers, Evo. If, if he, if, if he's, if he's going to give you, uh, you know, the, 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 the all time uh, pleasure of, of receiving a pass from him, <laughs> there better be this trust and chemistry established. Sure. She'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome back on a Friday. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. We're seeing disruptions impact our local agribusinesses 
But there are silver linings to look for, according to Angie Larson. She manages business development at Fox Cities Builders. She gives me an update on what's going on with their business and shares the positivity that is coming out of inflationary and supply chain hurdles. You know, with all the things that are happening in the world today and the difficult times and, and the difficult things that people have been dealing with the last couple of years, there's a lot of positivity that's happening, a lot of um, great ideas that are coming forth. Um, talking with a lot of people, doing succession planning, thinking about the future, what is that going to look like? Um, are there challenges with that, with supply? Um, absolutely, everybody's facing that right now, and we've learned how to pivot our business based on that having conversations earlier, um, planning out further into the future with um, building projects um, and being upfront and honest and you know how long it's going to take to get materials in and having that conversation right away so that perhaps a decision can be made sooner rather than later. When your customer base is facing tight margins, uh, especially right now, does that slow down business for you guys? Or we're actually we're pretty steady. Um, we're you know we work with clients for sometimes up to three four years um, before decisions are made. So it, there's things that are always falling into place. Um, like I said, based on on supply and demand and, and availability of product, it may be forcing decisions to be made a little bit sooner. Um, but for us as a business, things are very steady, which is a positive. Does the Russia-Ukraine situation impact your business at all in terms of getting raw materials? At this time, it's it's not a direct impact, but we are you know always watching how that's going to impact with other suppliers that we're working with, um, always keeping that in the back of our mind, um, and always thinking of what's going on over there and keeping especially the the victims in in that um, in our thoughts as well. You mentioned having to order things earlier in order to stay on top of that supply chain. I want to talk about steel in particular. How do costs look? How does supply look? So things have gone up um, anywhere between 20 and, and 30 percent. Cost of goods has gone up. Um, is there going to be a stop to that? You know, is that going to slow down? We believe that it is going to slow down, but in all honesty, it has risen. It's 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 going to be up there for a while and the reality is it, it may not go back down in any time in the near future so it's it's like I said it's it's causing us to have some honest conversations crucial conversations with our clients um, putting everything out on the table being upfront with things so that people can make an educated decision um, early on in their process when you mentioned succession planning and having that driving a steady business is it mostly younger farmers that are seeking out newer buildings it's it's a lot of young young farms um, and existing you know if, if children are coming back to the farm perhaps being away from the farm for a number of years working outside of the dairy and then wanting to come back in um, we're seeing a lot of that happening uh, Family Farm is, is looking, they're operating as a business today, and that's changing more and more. We're, we're taking on that business idea and concept, and that's how it's being handled. Um, so, yeah, it, it, things are changing. Um, we're, we're looking at past facilities. Um, animal welfare is a topic of conversation right now as well, and, and how do those older facilities measure up, and is it going to help um, our seeds of the future um, grow and mature into a good, good herd of cattle? And we've really got to analyze that from day one, from when that calf is born on the dairy. Is there a particular then style of building or building that is in higher demand than the rest? Um, I'm going to say it's probably everything across the board. So there isn't a specific like, oh, young stock facilities are the thing right now or robot dairies are the thing right now. It's There's a lot of new technologies that are happening out there. We've seen an influx in robotic style facilities um, with 
freestyle barns and, and with, with mature cows. And we're also seeing an influx come up with, with young stock facilities, um, calf operations, for example. Um, but it is all across the board with existing dairy operations, um, new ideas that are coming forth and, and new technologies, and how do we adapt to that? How does financing look? Is it tough now with prices having gone up? So that's always it, that's a great question. Um, we don't do direct financing with our with our clients. It is all done through banking systems, um, with lenders, and we form partnerships with our lenders and the clients' lenders. And we're having conversations across all gamuts with the client, with the lender, um, helping to educate them so that they understand what is happening in the process, what's going to be needed, and being realistic about numbers right away in the conversation. That's Angie Larson with Fox Cities Builders, a contractor for agricultural and commercial buildings. Stay tuned for. Markets coming up. Steffes Group is conducting the Sheboygan County, Wisconsin Dairy and Farmland Auction near Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Tuesday, April 5th at 1 p.m., selling 252 plus acres to be sold in five tracks. Track 1 has a modern dairy facility, a house, and other outbuildings. Track 2 has a single family home. The other three tracks feature farmland acreage. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for drone photos and complete descriptions for this auction near Sheboygan, closing Tuesday, April 5th. That's S T E F F E S Group.com. We've got new leadership in the livestock space. Mark Clark is the new vice president of Equity Cooperative Livestock Sales Association. Mark is a lifelong native of Wisconsin, growing up in rural Rock County. His resume includes working for ABS Global, Farming Healthcare, Bomatic, and World Dairy Expo. Mark currently resides in DeForest with his family. As Equity's vice president, Mark will oversee livestock marketing and ensuring compliance with regulations. He says he's looking forward to enhancing the cooperative's capabilities to meet producer member needs. From Chicago, cash corn is down five and a half cents at seven forty-three and a quarter. December new crop corn is trading at six eighty-five. That's up a penny and a quarter. Cash beans are down eight and a half cents at sixteen oh nine and three quarters. And November new crop soybeans are trading at 14.10 and a half. That's down 10 cents. Cash wheat is up 10 cents at 10.16. July new crop wheat is at 10.12 and a quarter. That's up 10 and a quarter cents. In the past few years, we've seen animal activism increase. This is according to Animal Agriculture Alliance. Hannah Thompson Weeman is the vice president of strategic engagement with Animal Ag Alliance. She shares the trends she's been seeing. The alliance has certainly seen an uptick in activism, and particularly aggressive animal rights activism over the past year and a half. And that surprises some people, you know, throughout the pandemic as we've been navigating supply chain challenges and quite frankly had more important things to worry about with getting food from the farm to the consumer. Some people will ask us, well, I haven't seen a whole lot about activists. You know, did they, did they go away? during the pandemic, and unfortunately that is not the case. They've been very active, both using online channels and social media, and then also still going to farms, going to plants, holding protests, disruptions, trying to add to supply chain disruptions by causing plants to have to, to shut down in order to deal with their tactics. Hannah thompson Weeman will begin her new role as the president and CEO of the Animal Agriculture Alliance on May 1st. And getting a look at our dairy markets this morning, the April Class 3 milk contract is trading at 2360 100 weight that's down eight cents may milk is trading at 24 29 100 weight down 18 cents on the close yesterday barrel cheese was up four and a quarter cents at 220 and a quarter the 40 pound block was up seven cents at 225 and double a butter was down a penny and a quarter at 270 i've got dairy science professor tara montgomery up next with another dairy update stay tuned for that this is the midwest farm report with pam youngke
Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Sure, she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Some of our favorite university ice cream stops include Falcon Foods at UW River Falls and Babcock Dairy at UW Madison. Well, we can add another one to that list. Pioneer Sweets is the newest student run business at UW Platteville. They're dishing out homemade ice cream that students are making alongside their advisor, dairy science professor. Tara Montgomery. Tara, why don't you just tell us how this all got started? Well, we've actually been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a long time, probably 10 years. We've been talking about having a dairy plant of some variety somewhere on campus. And it just finally came to fruition a couple of years ago because I'd been starting to do work with various um, community partners who were interested in having ice cream flavors developed. And so who doesn't want to play with ice cream, right? So I was teaching a dairy products class, and that was one of the things that we did in class was to get the students engaged and creative, they would create these flavors. And then we kept getting pushback from campus. Why don't we have these flavors on campus? Why don't we have ice cream? Because we've got the farm and all that sort of thing. And so we were able to talk to a couple of different um, folks, ended up getting a grant from Compere Financial, and so we were able to renovate this space here and start making our own ice cream. And so that actually officially just started in October. But the idea behind it has been a good 10 years. There's obviously demand for the ice cream from the community, but there's also interest in students to be part of this project. Right, so we started it not as a um, necessarily specifically a teaching, but more of a business. Um, So it's a student managed business. Uh, I am their advisor. (laughs) So 
especially because we're just getting up and running we're all learning and so I'm still helping them make a lot of the decisions but we want to get it to the point where they're making the decisions where are we gonna sell what are we gonna sell how much are we gonna sell it for things like that but we've done most of our sales kind of via the web so right now we've got a Google form and we do sales every couple of weeks well we had prior to winter break but that's what we'll start up again once they get back and then they decide what flavors and they decide where are we gonna sell it and how are we gonna sell it and then in the spring semester the students get to help with flavor development for all of the companies that have reached out to us and said we want our own flavor and we want our own flavor and so it'll be a unique you know custom-made flavor just for that business that then they can sell to their customers as well yeah and that's how you guys start out but you do foresee uh, maybe a retail space in the future Oh, absolutely. We need to have a retail space. There's so many faculty on campus and students on campus that want to, you know, just stop by for a, uh, you know, a little dish of ice cream or when we do our tastings and some of those kinds of things. There's actually also some interest in doing some research with different kinds of um, like different kinds of sugars or when we get our dairy plant out at the farm, use different diets for the animals to make different, you know, flavors and things like that. So we're going to have our own retail space. Uh, we just, that's a work in progress. We were so happy to finally get the dairy plant license that we wanted to get that going, but that is absolutely the next step is a retail space. Small steps at a time and really giving students that business experience, how to start a business and work from the ground up. Also in the near future, you know, you mentioned using Platteville's own cows for the milk because right now that's not the case. Right. So we do buy our mix from a Wisconsin-based plant. So they have all of their milk is coming from Wisconsin cows. So we can still say that it's, you know, Wisconsin product and that we're helping the industry from that perspective. But the plan is right now we're working with architectural engineer to design our dairy pilot plant out at the farm. And eventually we'll make our own mix from our own cows so that we can be uh, kind of unique from that perspective and keep it very local. You had said to get this up and running, you had a Compere grant. Where's the rest of the money coming from for further expansion and to continue doing business? So right now, because every business has to start somewhere, um, we're sort of taking a loan from the Dairy Innovation Hub. So we have an entrepreneurship grant from the Dairy Innovation Hub um, from our local funds here in order to be able to get us started and then the students have to keep track of what have been our expenses, what are our profits so that we can pay those um, that loan back in order to be able to see what does the future look like. But the other thing that the students are doing that's really important to them um, is to give back also. So a portion of the proceeds from all of our ice cream goes to our Pioneer Provisions um, which is a student pantry to be able to buy dairy products for the pantry. Uh, because that's one of the things that pantries always say they need more of is dairy products. And so we're giving towards that as well. I'm really proud of my students for wanting to do that. How many students are part of this, uh, the, the business side specifically? Because you said there's some overlap between the coursework and the business, but it is a standalone. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have four student managers right now. We had five last semester as one was graduating. She was finishing up and kind of teaching some of the things um, to the new students. And then we hired two new students. And we've got a couple of students who are just workers, but they really want to become managers as well. So we're still kind of working that out. You know, like what are the students in charge of and what are they supposed to do? And sometimes we have students who have egg business interests and they understand accounting. And then we have students who have taken the dairy products class and understand the processing side. Um, and then we have students who do both. And so they're trying to figure out, no, I want to do the marketing. No, I want to do the social media. 
and we want to give everybody kind of a fair shot at the different things so we kind of cycle around and we meet weekly during the semester so that they can be bouncing ideas off of each other and so far it's working pretty well are they paid Yes, okay. yep, it's a paid position, um, except for we do have the opportunity for students to do this as either an independent study or um, an internship as well. So then they can get um, a grade for it, also if that's what they want or if that's what they need. So it kind of goes back, be back and forth between either a paying gig or for credit, kind of whatever works in their schedule. Starting a, a business even at the university during a pandemic can be challenging, right? And then you've had to overcome some hurdles along the way. What are those logistics that have been impacted by COVID that you're dealing with? So we wanted to start in February of 2020. I had hired the managers, we were ready to go, and then March hit and everybody went home. We met for a while still over Zoom, um, but it just wasn't gonna work out. And so as we slowly came back to campus, we got the students back engaged and then we reached out to the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture when we were finally ready to get inspected. And so this last summer in July, we got inspected and we opened our doors in October. Um, one of the things that we found out in September was getting tiny little ice cream cups and getting the right kind of lids was not gonna happen. So we ordered them. It was, you know, we thought we had plenty of time, back order, back order, back order. Eventually, they had to send us lids that fit, but they weren't exactly what we wanted. And so then we had space issues to fit everything in the freezers that we had. And just a lot of complications, but we worked through them. A lot of problem solving. And the students learned that too. They either saw me doing it or they were part of the process of, you know, doing that problem solving. Um, and also just the logistics on campus for them, you know, for dining services to say we can't we can't scoop ice cream. It has to be in individual cups and the time it takes to do individual cups and those kinds of things, um, I think really has been an eye opener. We haven't had a failure yet, knock on wood, um, because that's always a thing that people I think worry about. But we've had had enough things that students kind of go, wow, we have to step back and say, Planning is important, but we have to be ready for the things that are just unexpected, like a pandemic. Incredible business experience then for these young men and women. You like to get other departments involved in this, not just your flavor development students that are interested in making ice cream, but you have the art department out here making murals. You guys are giving back to your campus community. Any other kind of like cross research with another department or any other kind of intertwining between the dairy science and the other departments on campus? Oh, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. And some of it has come about because of the Dairy Innovation Hub and, and all of a sudden this interest that we have across campus. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of interested in the dairy industry too. Specifically, I've worked with mechanical engineering faculty who've done some ice cream research. They have a machine called a rheometer, so it gives a sense for mouthfeel and some of those kinds of things. So we made very specific types of ice cream. The students also then helped do the taste testing um, to say, okay, we added more sugar, less sugar, what did that make it you know, feel like or taste like? And then they used this machine to try to plot out what a human might be experiencing when they actually eat ice cream. So that was cool. That was working with mechanical engineering. A lot of opportunities on the horizon for Pioneer Suites and other departments at UW-Platteville that want to get in on the scoop. That's Tara Montgomery with the Dairy Science Department at UW-Platteville. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Thanks for taking along with me this morning. Have a great weekend. Aaron Zimmerman will catch you back here on Monday.